All right. Welcome to another episode of the Turnbuckle Post. It's Thursday night, and you know what that means. We're about to do some cowboy shiznit, as JR would say. (laughs) (laughs) Jesse, welcome to the show. Jesse the Body is here as always. I'm joining me, Johnny Podcast. What's going on, my friend? Oh, not much. Just uh, spent today doing a little bit of uh, Christmas putting up lights, so... First time I've uh, ever done it this early. I mean, the rest of the year has been crap, so I'm trying to make the last two months of the year a little bit more festive than I have in the past. Yeah, no, I, I did the same thing last year, and I'll probably do it again this year. We did, uh, so, I mean, as you know, my birthday is next Tuesday, um, and we actually put up our Christmas tree on that day last year, um, and we put up a second one upstairs, even, um, just to try to make it. You know, like you said, I mean, the the holidays are a good time of year, um, a lot of good feelings, a lot of warmth. And um, obviously, I know with the kid, um, it's really brought back my enthusiasm um, over the years. You know, the magic of it is is definitely alive in this house. But, um, but yeah, it, it definitely helps to, to, to bring you out of a bad mood. Um, so it's time to transition to my Grinch blanket, actually. So, <laughs> yeah, my, that's my wife's favorite character, the Grinch. Yep, me too. So we have that in common, absolutely. Um, I uh, I identify with somebody whose heart was three sizes too small at one point. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, it's I you know, and especially working retail. Um, and this is way not even close to being on topic, but um, you know, working in retail for so long, and especially on the store side of it, man, it it really sucks the life out of you, um, you know, dealing with people. And, and honestly, like if you're going out to a store right now, I mean, most people do shopping online, but if you're going out to a store and in the next few weeks, just, just be considerate of the people that work there. Um, you know, they're not, they're not making great money by any means and, and they're getting beat up, beat up every day. Um, so have some consideration. And I mean, that, that, that expands further, obviously, but, um, but, uh, well, something that's that my... the stores are doing, which I think is smart, is they're doing Black Friday deals all throughout the month of November. So yeah. they make it one day, that definitely helps. It keeps keeps the crowds down. It keeps, you know, yeah. things in perspective, which is something they've always should have done. I mean, you know, yeah. COVID, COVID or not, that's something always that they should have done. They're closing the stores again this year on Thanksgiving, which is a yeah. good thing. I mean, it just, it's really, if we can't say one good thing about COVID, it's, it's that it has done that. Yeah, no, and I think I think honestly, you know, um, and I think maybe it's kind of getting in our rear view now. But man, a lot of these people that that we took for granted for so long that worked on the front lines, um, we're really realizing, you know, how much we asked them to do. Um, you know, your food workers, your your you know store workers, and all that. You know, I'm not saying that they're truck drivers. Yeah, truck drivers. I mean, I'm not saying that they're everyday heroes, but it's definitely not a you know something that should be dismissed um it's an important part of our lives and and i think you know the the more that we you know and we're seeing now with the supply cr- the supply chain crunch that you know the dock workers um you know like you said again the truck drivers the rail drivers you know all that is an important part to to us having a you know smooth everyday life and um you know it was really hit by COVID and, you know, it hasn't, I don't think anything's really recovered yet to be quite frank, but, um, but yeah, I, I, and like I said, it, it, 
just back to my original point, you know, especially now, you know, a lot of places are undermanned and undergunned. Um, just, just have patience and be polite to people. It doesn't, it doesn't cost you anything to do that. Um, and that's my, that's my PSA for the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so Jesse, I know that, um, if you want to talk about, I know you went to the, uh, AEW taping last night at a, it wasn't at, it wasn't at the old Conseco, was it? It was an Indiana farmer's Coliseum. Yeah, so it was at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. So it's a it's a smaller venue used for um, like minor league hockey. Um, IUPUI plays there, um, season basketball games there. Um, it's a completely renovated. So part uh, if you don't live in Indiana, you probably don't know. Part of what was formerly called the Pepsi Coliseum exploded um, back in the eighties, I believe. Um, and then they had another problem here more recently. So they've completely renovated the venue and it, it's gorgeous. Um, you know, for a small venue, uh, we sat in the 300 level, so We were up on the very top, but, uh, there's, there's a lot of great access to, um, they have merch stands set up everywhere. They had great access to restrooms and con- concessions and all that. And it was a lot more than I would have expected from a small venue. Um, but the show in general, uh, I, I can't say too much of it was different than like, uh, any WWE show I've ever been to. Um, I will say it was really cool. Uh, after the after the cameras went down, uh, they usually do a dark match, but this night they uh, they brought out Cody, uh, they brought out Tony Khan, and then they brought out Punk, and uh, he got a great ovation, and he was really excited to see you know how many people actually just stayed to see what was going on. Um, and then they you know toyed around. They're like, somebody's actually from here. And, you know, the crowd was chanting Ruby, Ruby, extremely loud. And um, and he was like, Rudy, like the football guy. And and it, it just kept going on and on and on. And finally, they brought out Ruby Soho and um, she was in tears. Uh, she was really touched by having a great moment in front of her home crowd. And yeah, cause she's uh, from Lafayette, Indiana, isn't she? Yeah, she's from Lafayette, Indiana. So she was very touched. And then um, then Cody brought up that. He said, uh, you know, you don't, I don't normally see a lot of good news on uh, social media. And then he called out this random name and he's like, he found out today that he's cancer free. And um, they brought the guy into the ring and he got to talk about how great it was. And Cody was like, well, Tony will tell you how important records are and you're one to know in life. But he's like, we're going to not let you leave this. Uh, we're not going to let you leave this ring with a with a zero zero record he's like so as much as i don't like doing the job and he, he laid down on the ground and let the guy put his foot on him and pin him and uh tony Khan counted the the three count and uh, i i gotta be honest it, it choked me up a little bit um you know obviously we you know everybody knows somebody that's been afflicted with cancer um and and to see people you know get through it and get get those moments is is uh is a special thing um so yeah i mean like i said you know the, i've never like personally ever known anybody that's had cancer really that's yeah. man you're lucky um you know that's unfortunately um you know that's a lot of my family has passed from from cancer and 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 things like that but uh that's that's good that you don't know anybody that's been touched by it i mean yeah. I, there's been like my grandmother i think she had but well my grandmother and my mother both thought you know that they might have had breast cancer but they turned it yeah. up ended up being uh non-malignant but Oh really? Yeah, they were that's just bumps. Good. They, they were they were just gross. They weren't they weren't cancerous. So, but yeah, yeah, I've never ever personally known anybody afflicted by it in my forty four years. 
count count yourself lucky um <laughs> it's it's definitely uh you know it's definitely out there it's definitely a you know a serious thing especially you know if it doesn't get caught early enough uh, i have a friend that's actually younger than me um that we both suffer from eei which i i will probably butcher the pronunciation of it but it's basically these are there's these things in your throat called eosinophils and when you have this condition they get they overproduce kind of like a not cancer but in that same way and it makes it hard to swallow and um he he was going back for a checkup on that and found out that he had colon cancer um so that's a you know obviously one of the most deadly forms that we have and uh, so our thoughts and, and and you know our good wishes go out to him um but um yeah i mean like i said count yourself lucky especially if you've never been touched by it um you know it's it's a terrible thing um and a lot of hard fighting for people uh that, that go through that and you know sometimes it's just you know saving years on your life um but but you know i i it's great to see people fight and see people win um but uh man we've really not talked about wrestling very much at all here. <laughs> <laughs> um the ma- the matches were great last night um the the experience was great uh, i do i will say um not much of it was too much for my kid um like i was worried about like the the adultness of AEW um there was some like you know the shit word and things like that but my son knows he's not supposed to say those things um and there wasn't any like sexual content or anything that was overly violent um so that i was thankful for that i will say i think um like merch wise they didn't really have a whole lot there he got a drawstring bag because they didn't really have anything else that really interest him um, so maybe, maybe in the future, that's just something else that they can make money off of is, I mean, there was a lot of kids in the crowd. Um, and you definitely want to, I don't want to say you want to, uh, you know, just cater to them because then, then you're going to be another WWE and you want to be the alternative. But, um, but I think to acknowledge that that's a part of your crowd, um, wouldn't be detrimental to AEW success. I think it would be, you know, because kids like to you know get souvenirs like i'm sorry i'm just being realistic about it that's why john cena made a ton of money because he would sell a hat a wristband and a t-shirt for every kid that you know (laughs) went in there and wanted to see him so um yeah they they, they haven't found that perfect blend it's almost like yeah they've went too much into the adult spectrum wwe's went too much into the kid spectrum i mean it's yeah Merchandising yeah. is a big deal, and you do need to. Yeah. I mean, if AEW wants to succeed, they're going to have to realize that they do not yep. just have a hardcore audience. They have, you know, families families that like, that, that like to come. You know, you get the hardcore guy's got a family wants to bring his family there, but then yep. he ain't got nothing to buy for his kid. I mean, you know, yep. it's kind of that, that's something that they need to really, really keep in mind. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, my son's favorite is Penta, so he did get to see him last night. He was excited about that. Um, but then like they didn't have, they had action figures, but they were autographed and they were a hundred dollars a piece. So that was a no go. Um, and, <laughs> and then all the shirts were adult size. So it, it, it's really a, a narrow scope. So that's definitely something that uh, moving forward, you know, in, in my opinion, they need to branch out and, and have just more options. Um, you know, stuff for women. Uh, I, I didn't see any Britt Baker merchandise. Like I would have definitely bought a Britt Baker shirt. I got an, I got 
a punk shirt and I've got another one coming on Saturday. But I was like, I was there. I was like, I'm going to get one anyway. But, um, but you know, I, I would have definitely got a Britt Baker shirt if they had that. Um, and, and, and it just goes on to, you know, having a, a larger, larger viewpoint on these things. Um, I think sometimes they focus on the trees instead of the forest. So, uh, you know, there's always going to be opportunities. There's always going to be opportunities for growth. I mean, even in our personal lives, but, um, but I think that that's something that, that WWE could definitely do better with, or I'm sorry, AEW could definitely do better with. Aren't you going to a one in Chicago too coming up? Yeah, I'm actually going, uh, the night before Thanksgiving, uh, they're doing a show in, in, in Chicago. So, um, I'm excited about it. I'm not excited about the drive or getting home super late, but um, but I'm definitely excited to go and to see CM Punk in his hometown. Um, uh, that's that's my main draw for that. Uh, obviously, I'm a big mark for him, but uh, I, I I have a sneaking suspicion they're going to put on a really good show that night just because it's the night before a holiday. It should be a good audience for the show, and um, I think it'll be pretty special. Um, I mean, I could be wrong, but last night, I, I honestly, you know, with it being the lead up show to a pay-per-view, I thought it would be more mailed in, but, uh, but they put on some really great matches and uh, even, you know, I'm not a big fan of main event contract signings, but I thought that was good for what it was. Um, but, um, but like I said, yeah, they put on some good, some decent matches, uh, Scott, or I'm sorry, I want to call him Scott Dawson, Dax Harwood and Pac put on a great, uh, singles match, um, I'm trying to think. Jungle Boy wrestled uh, Anthony Bowens in a great match. Uh, it, it was, you know, everybody put out an effort, and they uh, actually, excuse me, they actually acknowledged the undisputed error. Uh, I don't know if you saw that or not, but um, uh, Bobby Fish came out and attacked Jungle Boy, who's feuding with the Elite, uh, the Super Click of Adam Cole and the Young Bucks, um, and then Bobby Fish came out and attacked Jungle Boy after his match. And then uh, in the back, they said, you know, it's not disputed that this is the the era of the elite. And, uh, you know, Bobby Fish is acting as a hired gun for them. Uh, he's going to actually wrestle Jungle Boy on uh, Friday night on Rampage. But uh, I just thought it was a nice little wink to the audience about the undisputed era. Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> There's a couple of news items I wanted to dig into. I know that, like, WWE is continuing to release more wrestlers. And, and one of the things I want to talk about was names they give wrestlers. I know that there's people online, of course, it's the cancer online like, community, but yeah. talking about how Braun Breaker is such a dumb name. He should go to Rex Steiner. And, the, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, all of you guys are saying how great AEW is, but yet they call somebody Jungle. Yeah. The right to say that Ron Breaker is a bad name when when they call Jungle Boy. Well, that was I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying no. don't don't throw. No, you know, the cost house is kind of tough. Yeah, no, and I mean, and it's it's Jack Perry, it's Luke Perry's son. That was a name he gave himself, so it wasn't like this was a AEW creative decision. But still, um, you know, I think I think. It's kind of a, a goofy name at some point, but he does enough with it to, to get it over. But, you know, I think in the pantheon of bad names that we've seen, I don't think Braun Breaker is that bad. Um, I would just rather 
like personally, in my opinion, see him, you know, use that Steiner lineage to his advantage. Um, you know, they have a lot of these third generation people and it's, it's, it doesn't do them any, any service to ignore that they're, you know, second or third generation. Uh, but I, I understand it, why WWE does it too, because yeah. if he goes somewhere else, they, they can't take the Steiner name from him. Yeah, that's true. They can true. take the breaker name, but they can't take the Steiner name. That is his name, Rex Steiner. Yeah. So it's kind of a, I don't know. I, I just think it's like, give it a chance. Some, some of the names we've heard have been horrible names that turned out to be, you know, great superstars yeah. like CM Punk. I didn't think that was a great name, but he's turned no. it into him being, you know, a, a great superstar. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just what you do with it. Um, yeah. And and I think it's partly the, the, you know, the knowing that that's not, you know, I know, like, I know Penta El Ciro Medio's real name isn't Penta El Ciro Medio, but, um, you know, the, the knowing that it's, you know, that Braun is something that he, that he's not being portrayed as on television, I think is part of that. But like you said, I mean, it's, it's a stupid hill to die on. I mean, at the end of the day, I know who he is. It doesn't matter. I'm still going to enjoy his work. Like he's doing a great job and he's going to be a huge, huge deal for the WWE. Um, especially with his youth and his ability to, to continue to grow. Um, and I, so I don't, at the end of the day, I don't really give a shit what his name is. Like, I just want to see him succeed. Well, I remember, man, growing up, I was such a huge fan of the Steiner brothers. They were my favorite team in the NWA. Yeah. For, without a doubt. And he shows such great, I mean, he does things like, it's like his dad and his uncle combined, man. He's, he, he yeah. combined the best of both worlds. He sounds like his uncle, but he does moves that his dad used to do. A three-point stance shoulder tackle like his dad did. Uh, he's done the Steiner yeah. recliner and the Frankensteiner. I mean, he's just I, – I think he's going to be up to the main roster sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think I think when we talked about this in a private conversation, but it bears repeating now is, you know, him and um, uh, Solo Sequa uh, – uh, how do you pronounce Sokoa. that? Solo Sequa. <laughs> Solo Sequa, who is another Anoi family member. Um, I think both of them are destined for greatness. And it's not just because they have that family lineage. Uh, you know, they just, they have a presence about them. And uh, I, I, he's another one I would love to see, you know, just expedite him to the main roster, stick him with the, the bloodline and, you know, just keep that thing going. Um, I think that's the perfect opportunity for him. And, you know, obviously he's just getting started, but I think he's got, he's got unlimited potential as well. And I think they want to, honestly, I think, you know, they want to get mileage out of this bloodline thing. And I think bringing yeah. him up and possibly even putting Naomi in the group to add a, a female to the group, which makes sense. She's married to, yeah. to, to Jimmy Uso. So, I mean, it would, I don't know though, if they want to keep her as a face, they're doing this whole storyline with her and Sonya Deville right now. And I don't know if that's something that they want to do with her, but it'd be nice to see a, a good female m- member of the gr- group who's a good athlete that could represent the bloodline. Yeah, no, and it can add to the the dominance of that that storyline. If she can win the women's championship, then you have, you know, you're you're carrying the world title, or I'm sorry, the universal title, the you know, the SmackDown tag team titles, and then the women's championship. I mean, will it happen? Probably not. Uh, you know, with Charlotte being, you know, on the show, I think you know that's going to monopolize most of the time. But but uh, but yeah, I think I think that's the perfect opportunity to really elevate Naomi and, and to really acknowledge that, yeah, it's a true bloodline. Um, You know, it's not just on screen. They're, you know, they're related, you know, behind the scenes. So 
Um, I think. Well, that's the thing that, I want to talk about. Bringing up Charlotte Flair was the. I guess there is really real life heat between her and Becky Lynch. Oh, really? I had. I read an article that. today with Becky where she says that they don't talk anymore, and that is, and that you know that backstage altercation they almost had was almost got physical. She said that they just Charlotte got in a big head. And yeah. doesn't really communicate with the girls in the locker room and just, you know, it, it's turned into a kind of a toxic situation. Yeah, that's not good at all. Um, I remember <laughs> I read a story about Bret Hart, and this is a l- little off topic, but a little bit um, on topic. But when he went to WCW, they had his own dressing room for him. And he literally walked in and said, what is this shit? Like, and ripped the ripped the sign off the door and everything. <laughs> And refused to have his own dressing room because he wanted to dress with the boys, and that's that is the mentality of a leader. Um, a leader doesn't, you know, put themselves above everybody else. And you know, unfortunately, with Charlotte, that's what she's doing right now. Uh, I don't know what your what your thoughts are about that, but that was just a little anecdote I wanted to share. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a great thing, and I would hate to see. I mean, if. WWE did get tired of her and wanted to release her. It's like she goes to AEW, she's gonna squash everybody there. She's gonna squash Britt Baker, Ruby. Yeah. She's gonna take over that entire women's division, and that's really gonna turn the fans against AEW if they decide if she still has this toxic mentality. Yeah, no, I like I said last week and or last recording, and you know it it bears repeating as well. I you know. I love, I mean, you know, it's no secret. I love AEW. I mean, I love WWE too when they, when I feel like they're, you know, really in their high gear going into WrestleMania. I, I mean, I absolutely love it when they do it right. But, um, you know, that if there's one thing that could get me to change the channel on AEW, it'd be happen to see Charlotte every Wednesday night. Um, I just, I just have no, I'm sorry, I'm making a mixed drink, so I apologize for the. Oh, you're fine. Uh, but um, I just have no interest in seeing her every week, and that's you know that's part of the reason I haven't been as good about watching WWE programming. Um, is because I just I can't see her do the same match over and over and over and over, and come out and cut her you know queen shit you know promo crap, and not elevate anybody, you know, and 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 it's not a her versus Becky thing, but Becky actually wanted to work work heel so she could elevate Liv Morgan. I, I saw that in an article earlier this week. Like, that was the specific reason that she she chose to come back from having a baby to be heel was to help elevate her, her co-workers. And, I mean, one of these is a leader, one of these is a selfish person. And you can draw your own conclusions on which one is which. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's my soapbox about about Charlotte. I mean, well, that... Becky just doesn't want, you know, she knows fans don't want to see the, the same old shit. She, yeah. you know, she, the Raw Wins title, as far as her having it, she never lost it. So yeah. it makes sense for her to have it back. But it's like, they're, they, they're not really elevating the women on SmackDown like, like they are on Raw. Like with Selena Vega, I'm really surprised with the push that she has been getting. I mean, yeah. she can forever lay claim to being the first queen of WWE. Don't they, that can yeah. never be taken from her. Yeah, and it really surprised me because I I thought they were going to try to job her out when you know her husband showed up on AEW programming because they yeah they forgot to put in a no complete no compete clause in his contract. <laughs> yeah, no, and and 
you know, that's that's another story for another day. But man, Malachi Black is so freaking awesome. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of his promos, but it's like I don't know why WWE didn't let him talk more. Uh, he just cuts these like crazy, like psychological promos, and uh, it, it's unlike anything that I've. You know, I mean, he's he's very unique, and uh, I'm glad that he's getting that opportunity in, in AEW. Not to say that everybody, excuse me, everybody that goes to AEW is going to get that opportunity, but I'm glad that he's taking it and running with. It. So. Oh. Sorry, yeah, the, it seems like they, they've kind of almost like the fans want to cheer him more than Cody. It's like the fans have turned more. This this program really hasn't been good for Cody as being a no. face because it's turned him more into like yeah. The fans think, are cheering Malachi Black more than they are Cody Rhodes, and I don't know right. if that's the intention. No, so I mean, and and this is no secret. Um, you know, I'm a huge Cody Mark. Um, if you guys see the toys that I've got, the collectibles i have it's it's mostly cody um but even i once they announced that uh reality show and once they announced the talent show i was like oh my god he's got a he's got too big a head like and i i love cody but but i i want to see less of him um he got he got good cheers last night um but i don't know if that's going to be the same in every market that he goes to uh indiana is kind of one that typically likes their white meat baby faces um i remember when we went when punk was doing the summer punk and we were cheering punk while other people were still cheering cena yeah and uh, i mean so it's typically that kind of market so i I understand that but um but yeah i I think he's overexposed um and and like you said alistair or i'm sorry malachi black is you know he's the new you know, cool Fonzie with his leather jacket, you know, punching on the jukebox and Cody's looking like Ron Howard over there. And, um, you know, they need to do some things to, to change that perception, I guess. But at the same time, I think if Cody went away for a while and, 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 you know, did some other things that might not be the worst thing in the world either. I'm really surprised Bray Wyatt has decided not to sign with another wrestling promotion. He's now, I guess, starting to make movies. Yeah, I saw that. I didn't see what he was filming, but I did see he was filming a movie. Yeah, some kind of horror movie, and and, and I could see that. He, yeah. I always thought he was such a great actor. The reason I think his yeah. personas were so great was because he believed in them. He yeah. put his heart and soul into them. He 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 could talk, and he and, he, and he's got a a very charming personality. So I could see him definitely uh, going into acting. Yeah, no, and that's what you know. I think it's it's no big secret either that you and I are big fans of the of the Fiend character. We both really enjoyed it. Uh, we were both taken aback when he first debuted, um, and uh, you know it's it's unfortunate how those things went. But uh, I understand that Bray puts a lot of himself in his characters, and I think that's what eventually led to him parting ways with WWE. Um, you know, I, I hope to see him in wrestling again, but I'm, I'm glad that he's doing what he needs to do for himself. I know he had some mental health issues and, uh, you know, it's, it's good that he's, uh, doing the things he needs to do to make himself feel right. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those are just, just a few things I, I wanted to discuss, yeah. you know, just to do so, things in wrestling. I know Survivor Series is coming up and then they yeah. are bringing war games back for NXT and then, um, uh, so, I mean, I'd be interested to see how they go because I don't know if there's any major feuds in NXT right now that warrant a War Games match except for the women, you know, Raquel Gonzalez team against Dakota Kai team. 
Yeah. But I really can't think of a men's feud right now that really warrants a War Games match. But I guess we'll see. They got about two or three weeks to build up to it. So, yeah, no, and that's what that's what I enjoyed about the older NXT is they didn't announce these things ahead of time. It was like you know William Regal would just come out and go War Games. Yeah, you know when they when the feud reached that point where that was the only way that they were going to solve it. But you know now they're on that main that main roster mentality of we're just going to announce a pay-per-view and figure it out later. Um, which, you know, it, it's not always a bad thing. I'm not going to be one of those people. It's like, Oh, it's so stupid. They do this, but you know, if they're going to do, you know, hell in a cell every October, I mean, it's just, they're just going to take whatever fuse they have and stick at them in hell in the cell. See um, elimination chamber makes sense to me for the simple yeah. fact that, that is your next chance to get to WrestleMania after the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind the Elimination Chamber and the and pay-per-view that's right. named for that because that it's basically your second chance to main event WrestleMania. Yeah. yeah. Hell in a Cell over October, it's like you you got to have that one major feud that warrants Hell in a Cell, not just because it's the name of a pay-per-view. It's like, yeah. oh, well, let's name it Hell in a Cell. We'll figure out the feud, I guess, the, a, month yeah. ahead, a month before it happens. <laughs> no, I mean, there's, there's different ways to sell that. I mean, UFC's... So billions of pay-per-views just based on two people's names. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, you know, anything special. You can, you know, you can do Reigns versus Lesnar four or whatever. And then, you know, with the, with the hell in the cell on the undercard or, or hell in the cell is the main event. I mean, it, it, they can change the way they do those, you know, market, but you know, they're, they're so stuck in that, that formula, that way that they're doing things that, I mean, and even AEW does the same thing. I mean, you know, I knew I knew Full Gear was going to be in November. I didn't know what the main event was going to be, but I knew Full Gear was going to be, you know, the, like you know, my birthday week in November because that's when it is every year. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think both team, both teams, both <laughs> any company can do better about you know not just having monthly pay per views or quarterly pay per views, but having a reason to have a pay per view. Um, I think would be a good good way to go back to uh, you know the way that the business was when it started but uh that that's just another soapbox for me um (laughs) before we get out of the uh you know just kind of news and just general discussion did you want to talk about the releases yeah i don't think we ever really talked about them um you know the the ones that i'm i was really the most upset about was was ember moon Mm -hmm. carrying cross and his his significant other Keith Lee and his significant other the yeah. rest didn't really see much television time or any so it made sense I mean but you realize too with seeing all these roster releases how much talent WWE was holding on to yeah I could kind of see them trimming the fat with some of the people they weren't using but to get rid of some of the people that, that had good runs in NXT yeah. or that were starting to get over and then to just release them I mean those were the five that were the most shocking to me the rest of them didn't really shock me all that much I don't know what you thought about that um, no, I would agree with that. And, and honestly, Nia Jax was kind of a surprise to me and it's just because of her family lineage. Um, but with, with the rocks, actual daughter being on the NXT roster, I think they were, they were kind of safe there, uh, from any kind of blowback, but, but yeah, I, I mean, and, and I've read, you know, there's different, and I don't want to get into a whole discussion about vaccines and all that but i've read that there was there was issues about excuse me vaccination status and age um they didn't want superstars over 38 years old which 
I mean, I can understand that to a point, but I mean, what DDP got his start when he was what thirty four. I mean, it, it, age is just a number if, if you're you know talented enough and and athletic enough to make it work. And I think Cross or Keith Lee both would have been those type of guys that could have been something special for your company, but you just didn't give them a chance. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are about that. Yeah. I don't know about the vaccine thing. It, that's been rumored, but it's never really been. But I've heard about the age thing, and I've also, um, you know, as far as Nia, Nia Jax goes, she was she was hurting people, plus she, you know, had that unprofessional yeah. moment with Charlotte. Yeah. I could kind of see that. Even Maria being let go, that was not a surprise. I don't know why oh, they yeah. brought her back in the first place. That was. I forgot I knew, she was I, let go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that did not surprise me one bit. No, no. That was a. I mean, of all the people that they've released, I was surprised that she had made it through all those cuts. But, um, you know, finally her number came up and, you know, I'm sure she'll find her way back at some point because I guess Vince has a hard on for her or something. Um, she she hadn't improved. I mean, I don't know if you saw no. any of her matches since she'd been back, but she had no. not had not improved at all. She had a couple and I refuse to call her do drop up against Piper Niven. Yeah. That, you could just tell she wasn't selling well. She she didn't know how to throw punches. She was just as horrible as she was before. She didn't improve. And that was my thing. I was going to hold off. Okay, well, maybe she's improved. She didn't. She didn't improve not one bit. No, she just got by by, you know, being an objectively attractive woman. I mean, maybe not to me or you, but, you know, to, to someone out there, I guess she's, you know, she's an attractive woman. And, you know, it's. WWE thought they could get get her over by just being a you know untalented heel that got her spot because of who she was, and you know, it, it, I mean, it kind of worked. I mean, she helped get Piper Niven over, but like you said, if you can't contribute anything else besides you know being hated, there's no real reason for you to be there. Like anybody could be hated, um, you know, with a certain she amount. She had X Pac heat. X Pac go away. Yeah. This wasn't. Yeah. This wasn't villain heat. This was go away. We don't want to see you. Yeah. Kind of heat. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I agree hundred percent, man. And and like I said, I forgot she was even um released, but at, at the same time it does not shock me one bit. Um it, it was just it's like you said, this is a business, you know, where WWE is different than any other company that you're gonna you know, compare them to is that they have shareholders, they have, you know, they have dividends they have to worry about. They have quarterly, um, you know, stockholders meetings they have to worry about, you know, they are run like a fortune 500 company. Um, so whereas, you know, AEW is, you know, Shad and, and Tony Khan meet up and go, Oh, we're spending a little too much money. We'll do this instead. Um, you know, you know, Vince has to report to people that have no, you know, ties or, or affiliation with them other than being shareholders in WWE. So he has to make it a profitable stock. Um, so that means cutting the waste. And, you know, unfortunately that's part of business. Uh, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't agree with it. I, you know, I don't want to see any of these people, you know, struggling for a job, but, um, but it's just part of the business. And, I think, you know, the people, the more people understand and, and realize that, yes, WWE is different. Um, you know, they're not just a wrestling company. They are a, they're a conglomerate. Um, the, the more that they're going to understand why these cuts are made. But, um, 
But yeah, I mean, like I said, and Keith Lee and Karen Cross, I think could have been, could have been something special for WWE, but, but those opportunities were lost and, you know, down they're going to go and do something else. And, you know, I don't, I don't particularly care where they end up. I, I just hope for the best for both of them. And, and so yeah, I got a feeling well. Karen Cross is going to go back to impact. Yeah. I could see that. Um, and I could see Keith Lee going back to impact. I mean, Keith Lee can pretty much make his, make his name anywhere he wants to go. Um, obviously ring of honor is no longer going to be a option, but you know, I, as much as I feel like AEW has a packed roster, I think they could find a place for him. Um, but, but I could also see him going to impact and being, you know, one of the biggest deals on their roster. Um, so, I mean, he has options and that's, that's not a bad place to be in life. Um, so, you know, I, I, like I said, I hope for the best for all of them. And, you know, there's never going to be a, I'm, I'm not one of these people that's like, Oh, they don't work for WWE. They're dead to me. Um, you know, I, I still want them to succeed and I still, you know, I still want these performers to be able to, you know, hone their craft. Uh, I know, uh, buddy Matthews, the former buddy Murphy, buddy Murphy is going to be debuting in new Japan wrestling. Um, so I think that's going to be a great opportunity for him to really, you know, show what he's capable of, um, just as another, you know, free agent that hasn't really caught on anywhere else at this point. And you never say never in this business. We've seen WWE release wrestlers and get them back all the time. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's always a revolving door unless you do something that's just unforgettable. Vince McMahon will usually bring people back. Yeah, like we said, I mean, even even you know, Randy Savage was almost at the point where he was going to be brought back, you know, when he passed away, unfortunately. But, um, you know, like you said, there's there's never say nether. I mean, I could see Punk getting into the WWE Hall of Fame at some point. Um, you know, as much as he's had issues with the company, I mean, he came back and and did um, talking smack. So, I mean, I, I I don't I won't put the word never on anything. Um, but, uh, but it, it just depends on if it's going to make Vince McMahon money, um, then he's going to do it. So, um, and, and obviously with triple H, I think a lot of those old grudges and things have been, uh, ironed out a little bit. I know that San Martino going into the hall of fame, that, that was a big thing for, that was triple H's deal. He really worked that out to happen because of the acrimony between San Martino and, and Vince McMahon over, uh, the treatment of David Bruno's son. Um, but, but, and I think that's the good thing about triple H is he has that reverence and that, that, that appreciation for the old school business. That oh, I, and, that's, and that's the thing. I think he's one of the driving forces behind Braun breaker, which, you know, yeah. Scott Steiner's nephew. And I know that Scott and triple H had major heat for years. I mean, triple H yeah. Scott Steiner had said in interviews how he basically wished death upon triple H and Stephanie. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think Triple H just, he's got a great eye for talent. And I think yeah. he would let bygones be bygones if, if Scott wanted to actually sit down and talk with him. No. And, and that's, you know, the, the WWE and, and really wrestling in general is kind of like the mob, man. Like, you know, business is business. But, um, you know, if you if you can make it work, you're going to make it work. And I think that's that's definitely Triple H's attitude is, you know, if it's good for business, let's do it anyway, even if I don't you know, don't see eye to eye with his uncle and his dad or whatever. Um, you know, let's, let's make it happen because this kid's talented. And, and I think that's the deal with Braun. And I, you know, I hope, I hope to see him as NXT champion at some point, but I, I feel like they're going to 
have a little bit of a slow burn on that. If not, uh, you know, putting him up on the main roster sooner than later. Yeah, he may not even get the chance to be the NXT champion, or it could happen yeah. at War Games. They might yeah. be saving that moment for them. I mean, we it's yeah. exciting to, to think that we're where it'll go with him because I just think he yeah. is the. I, I think he's he's going to be the one to keep an eye on for sure. Absolutely, yeah. He's he's going to have a rising stock. Um, if we had a wrestler stock market, he'd be one I would definitely invest in. Um, but um, so Jesse, uh, you know, one of the things we really wanted to talk about today was. Uh, and I'm not, I don't know if you're ready to transition or not, but one of the things we want to talk about today was the, uh, how WCW lost $62 million in one year. Yeah. Um, it's a uh, Vince Russo presents how to lose $60 million <laughs> in just 12 months. So if you want to, we could take a little break and, uh, delve in, yeah. delve into that. Yeah. Let's do that real quick. Um, uh, let me, let me, uh, let me end it here and then we will pick back up on the other side. All right. See you in a few. Peace. All right, man. As we will uh, dive into another wrestling rubbish edition, as we present to you, well, actually, Vince Rousseau is going to present to you <laughs> how you lose $60 million in just 12 months. Uh, you ready to talk about this? Bro, bro, when it's not <laughs> your money, it's easy to waste, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, um, if people don't know, just a little background, Vince Rousseau was, uh, worked for the WWE for years. Um him and another guy who we'll talk about as well was Ugh. members of the creative team. And some people have pegged him as being the reason that the Attitude Era worked or that, that it got over. I don't believe that was the case. I mean, Vince McMahon has say on everything. I, I think it was more about the characters they had more than the raunchy segments and everything that they did that was courtesy of Vince Russo. That in his own mind, he believed that he was the driving force that brought the WWE to prominence, that he was the driving force behind DX and Stone Cold. None of that could be true. He was the driving force behind the steamy, sexy angles that they did and and, and the language and just some of the stupid crap that was done in the Attitude Era. That was all Vince Rousseau. But, they, you know, he, he tooted his own horn and sold himself well. And on October 11th, 1999, was the day he started for WCW. And that was supposed to be the turning point uh, for the company. They were drowning in the ratings. Uh, WWE, you know, started kicking their butt. Mm-hmm. You know, building up new stars such as Steve Austin, The Rock, uh, Triple H, and just and, and never looked back. So um, he was brought in. And then I know Ed Ferrara was brought in, too, which I'll talk about him in a bit. But... Um, yeah, I, as soon as I, I, I heard this and saw this, I thought this this cannot be good. I don't know what your thoughts about about that were. Um, you know, I, so based on podcasts, and and you can take what you believe or whatever. I mean, everybody has a podcast anymore, especially these two assholes talking right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but uh, Vince Russo was mostly responsible for the rise. Of Sable, um, that is what I've gathered from the podcasts that I've listened to and the interviews I've listened to. That was his wheelhouse. That was what he did was push that sexual envelope. Um, now, WWE as a whole decided to push that envelope, and I won't say that that's specifically because of Vince Russo, but I feel like yeah, maybe he did have some of those ideas, you know, and and I think. 
maybe he deserves some of the credit, but like you said, at the end of the day, everything that goes out of, of WWE has to be rubber stamped by Vince McMahon. And, you know, and, and they have a committee. They have guys like Bruce Pritchard. They had guys like Jim Cornette. They had you Jim, know, Ross. Vince, Jim Ross, Vince himself, uh, Johnny Laurinaitis, uh, uh, Kevin Dunn. I mean, all those people had input. So I, I think to put it on one person is is kind of a bit of a stretch. And I remember reading an interview with him in, in WCW Magazine where he said that, you know, he basically left because he was asked to write SmackDown and Raw every week and he didn't get a pay raise. Um, that was the main reason that he, he had left. And, um, you know, and like you said, these – a lot of these people, you know, the Dixie Carters, the Ted Turners of the world are are easily swayed by, yeah, I was the one that made Stone Cold Steve Austin. When actually, no, it was probably a confluence of really great fortune. Uh, angry and bitter that, you know, cut great promos in ECW that came on, was stuck under that ringmaster persona. And they, they gave him a live mic and gave him an opportunity, and he just ripped Jake Roberts a new one for being a. And you know that was what caught up, caught, caught on, um, you know, and and I think maybe those things happen without Vince Russo even being there, um, but I, I'm not going to say he wasn't instrumental to the Attitude Era, but I feel like he needed he definitely needed some guidance, and he definitely needs someone to bring him in. Because well, he, his... came, he came up with that um, that style of programming, what we like to call Crash TV. He wanted to combine yeah. elements of stuff that was popular at the time, you know, Jerry Springer show mm-hmm. and, and porn trying to come into mainstream. He, he was trying to bring yeah. all these things, all these all these things together. And, you know, he had he had convinced the, the runner ups at Turner that he had saved the WWE and turned that yeah. sinking ship around. And, and I think they probably realized probably within two months of him being there that. No, he's quite not the savior that he said that he was. Or, I mean, yeah. depending on who you talk to, he's either one of the greatest geniuses or one of the most blatant con men the wrestling world has ever known. I think, honestly, if you look at it, um, you know, he ran, he basically was the creative for TNA from its inception until basically he had to be fired because he was secretly working behind the scenes for Dixie Carter. Um, and if you look at that track record, it's, not a good one. Um, you know, these, you know, reverse battle Royals and, and, you know, whatever infected needles on a pole match or whatever the hell he did every week. And a lot of, lot of, I mean, a lot of creative ideas, but not a lot of good ideas and not a lot of ideas that made money. Um, well, well I, I know that he didn't appear on camera at first. He actually yeah. appeared off camera as one half of the mysterious duo known as the powers that be. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> basically, wrestlers would go in powers that be about certain things. But I know one of Russo's main things was that he that he thought WCW needed was sex, sex, yeah. and more sex. Yeah, you know, and in, uh... and, you know, and entire storylines. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh no, 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 you're you're right. No, no, I was gonna say like they brought in like I think Major Guns was an actual porn star, if I'm not mistaken, like. I mean, it, it, it's just like there were certain things that Turner's standard yeah, he, practice. He brought up that, that militant yeah. that militant group. Basically, it was Booker yeah. T as GI Bro, and uh, Chavo Guerrero was Lieutenant Loco, 
And then you had yeah. major guns. I mean, some of the most stereotypical yeah. things you yeah. could think of. That's just Hugh one Morris example. was Hugh Morris was huge erection. Yeah, he, general erection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just the stupidest like like sophomoric humor possible. Um, well, I didn't mean her, entire storylines were, were centered on sex. You know, there was an angle, and I remember this well. When the when hated heels Shane Douglas stole Billy Kidman's Tori Wilson. Now Billy and Tori, I think, were dating at the time, but these yeah. skits were showing of the two new lovers mocking Kidman as they lounged in hotel beds together. One week, the cameras didn't stop rolling, or so you know you were supposed to believe that Douglas couldn't uh, quote unquote rise to the occasion. Oh my god! So hilarity, <laughs> hilarity ensued, setting up wrestling's first ever. Hang on to your hats here. Viagra on a pole match. <laughs> Douglas won the bout and henceforth was able to pop a boner at will. That's just uh, one of the first things that Russo booked when he came into the company. Oh, my God. <laughs> I yeah. remember it, too, man. It was – I couldn't help but just laugh at this crap because they were bad actors as yeah. it was. So not yeah, even the no. acting was believable. No, and, like – I I'm a big like mark for uh, Billy Kidman. I I was a huge fan of his. You know when he started when he broke away from the flock, especially. You know he won the won the cruiserweight title from Chavo or I'm I'm not sorry I'm or I'm sorry Char, not Chavo uh, Juventud Guerrera. Um, you know he he had this great push and he had this cool look and he was just like a, you know he did these great flying moves. But I mean he he was he was a mid Carter. But um, but yeah, he he you know they tried to push him to face Hulk Hogan, and that that was really like one of the big things that they did in the start of the uh, you know Vince Russo's booking was definitely trying to push you know that that older group as the Millionaires Club and the the younger group as the New Bloods, and then he repeated that in TNA, um, and to the same non effect, but. Um, but yeah, I, I was a huge fan of Billy Kidman, but that that definitely, you know, I, I think they put more on him than was really necessary. Well, then Ed Ferrara, his co-writing partner that came over from WWE, became an on-air character, mocking yeah. Jim Ross. Yeah, it was he did disgusting. The whole Bell's palsy thing, called himself Oklahoma. They even had a barbecue sauce on a pole match. I mean, just some of the most. It, it, it was it was just very disrespectful. I thought the way the way that they yeah. went around that. Yeah, it it was disgusting. Um, it's one of the most. Other you you than... don't make fun of a person's physical ailment like that, especially somebody no. that you know it couldn't be helped. You had Bell's palsy, where I don't know if people realize this, but Bell's palsy, it's basically a stroke, where yeah. it paralyzes one one side of your face. That's what happened to Jr. and they and they mocked that in, in WCW. Yeah, it it was disgusting. I mean, and it was played for laughs. And, you know, like you said, it's a physical ailment. Um, and, and in taste-wise, it was about as tasteless as, you know, when WWE exploited, you know, Eddie Guerrero's death and had Randy Orton go out and say things like, Eddie Guerrero's down there in hell and all that shit. Like, it wasn't necessary. Didn't, didn't, need, to, didn't need to be done to sell tickets. And it, it just... It, it didn't accomplish anything other than just being an asshole. And, you know, I, I hope Ed Ferrara has since apologized to JR. I don't know if that he has or, 
or that he will, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that thought he was a comedian, but that, that shit's not funny. I mean, and, you know, I hate to be frank about it, but that's the truth. So, Oh yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, and, go, and going back on the Vince Russo thing, he wasn't a big fan of the smaller guys. Yeah. You know, I, I, WCW had always been before this had always been a place where the smaller guy could come and, and kind of get over, you know, they, they had pushed their cruiserweight division. They'd given them TV time. I think mm-hmm. some of them even had me, even during the whole NWA thing, we would still see the cruiserweights get pushed, you know, re- relatively good, probably not the best, but they, yeah. but they would get, you know, somewhat of respect. And Russo came in and changed all that. He felt like American audiences didn't want to see Mexicans and Japanese wrestling in a ring. I, I want to read a, a quote he did for an interview where he said, and I quote, you will never, ever, 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 ever see the Japanese wrestler or the Mexican wrestler over in American mainstream wrestling. And the simple reason for that is even myself, I'm an American. And I don't want to sound like a big bigot or a racist or anything like that, which is what you're sounding like. But yeah. I'm an American. If I'm watching wrestling here in America, I don't give a shit about a Japanese guy. I don't give a shit about a Mexican guy. I'm from America. And that's what I want to see. Speaking yeah. for himself solely on that one, I believe. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, um, uh... Obviously, Ray Mysterio has proved him wrong on that. Um, you know, obviously, people like Asuka and uh, Kyrie Sane and Iro Shirai and Shinsuke, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, those are people that have gotten over with an American audience. I think it's a bigoted, idiotic thing to say. And I think it was just his bullshit excuse for shortchanging those people and just pushing whoever he wanted. Um, and obviously, you know, we saw the people he thought was talented, you know, he thought Jeff Jarrett was talented and Jeff Jarrett's not a bad wrestler, but he's not, he's not a main eventer. No, no, not at all. And, and, you know, and he thought Shane Douglas was talented and, and Shane Douglas, once again, not a bad wrestler, not a main eventer. Um, you know, he's, he's an ECW guy, but. I, I, and, and like and, and he was partially right on some things. I, you know, I'm not going to be a Russo basher. Um, you know, I, I think he did a lot of things that were bad for the business, but you know, he helped elevate Booker T. Um, you know, he helped elevate Scott Steiner and those things that you know ended up being good things. But but you know, you take the the good and the bad. I mean, you're looking at an eighty twenty. Uh, you know, he probably did twenty percent good while doing eighty percent bad. Well, and, and it just showed with the way he books him, like Chavo Guerrero we were talking about. Yeah. He, he he became an Amway salesman, and he later rode around on a stick pony while wearing a sombrero. <laughs> That's oh, my just God. Stereotyp- you remember that when he called the stick pony? I think he called it... Uh, Pepe. Pepe, yeah. Yeah. He called it Pepe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had Juventud Guerrero resorted to hitting people over the head with a tequila bottle. Yeah. Uh, and to belabor the point, he once had all the Mexicans fight in the Battle Royal, which isn't bad. But when you consider they were fighting over a pinata, it becomes a bit questionable. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't, mean, it a, wasn't it a pinata on a pole match or something? Yeah, I think like it that? was. Yeah. yeah, they were all fighting in a battle royal over who would get the pinata. It wasn't even like yeah. knock somebody over the top rope. It's who can grab the pinata. Well, he loved these pole matches for some reason. Uh, yeah, I don't know what his deal is with poles, and that's not <laughs> like a sexual thing. Like, just. <laughs> but and, and, and you know even at that like not even not even considering that and like we can get back on bashing Russo but but like the company itself they would spend millions of dollars on advertisements for shows and they would print the wrong date 
Like, how hard is it to get a date right? Um, you know, th- there were so many opportunities for them to not have lost this money, the $63 million, which, I mean, in, in our eyes, you know, in WWE's eyes, in the, like the year of COVID, is probably not that huge of an amount. But to that to that company at that time, that's a ton. And it just shows that you're you're spending more than you're making. And, you know, obviously, you know, when you spend money for full-page ads that tell you the wrong date for a fucking pay-per-view, yeah. you're not in a good spot. <laughs> no, not at all. No. No, but, I, um, you know, it's like, and the whole thing with JR, you know, I found out that the reason that him and Ed did these things is because they wanted to get even with JR. They they didn't like, they didn't like JR. They, yeah. Question. They questioned that he was the reason that that they left the company. I mean, they just. Yeah. Jr. was doing a job. I mean, you know, is that, that's just all there is to it. And they just didn't like the way that, I guess, he had conducted himself in front of them. For I guess, lack of a better term. Yeah. No. It's. I mean, I mean, and, and grinding an axe isn't necessarily a new thing in in wrestling, but you know, I, I'm never really a fan of it. I, I feel like. You know, let's let's just do business. Um, but that's it was the same thing point. when when WWE did the whole billionaire Ted skits. I mean, that didn't yeah. make your company look great. It, it no. looked petty. It looked like no, you no, know, you couldn't find a better way to try to beat this company. So you're gonna just gonna try to mock them, and it didn't yeah. win you over any new fans. Fans didn't care for it. They didn't think it was funny. No, and then you you know you you do a thing like the. I mean, there's a two hour testament to you know grinding an axe in the self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. And then, you know, you end up lionizing the guy, you know, because he dies. And, you know, <clears throat> at the end of the day, if you would have just, you know, portrayed him as who you wanted to portray him as, you know, they, you know, they could have still made some money off of it. And there was no reason to make that kind of thing. It's just, it's literally just to, you know, fulfill grudge. It's, you know, it's infantile. I mean, you know, we're adults. We don't, we don't act, you know, grind axes like that. Um, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you know, take that you were done wrong and, and go the other way. But, um, but yeah, it is it, just, it's stupid shit. Um, and then obviously like we, we talked about, we started to allude to it last week, but, but, uh, Tank Abbott, they brought him in because they thought he was going to be this unstoppable badass and you know book him you know opposite of Goldberg and it was a complete and total flop um I don't know if you have anything about that but but I remember he ended up basically being three counts manager which they were a boy band so oh god I remember that that if Tank (laughs) Abbott could have if he didn't lose any credibility by that point he lost it all when when they put him a three count they did not make him well I just remember the main event he had with with Sid with Sid Vicious, one mm-hmm. of the most boring, slowest main events I'd ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, no. Take Abbott was in control of the entire match, but it was slow offense. He kept saying he was going to choke Sid out. All it took was Sid give him a power bomb and put him away, and then that was it. And I'm like, this was what they closed the show yeah. with. This was horrible. Yeah, Vince Vince Russo thought that Tank Abbott was going to be the next big thing in wrestling. And, you know, if you go back and watch, I mean, he, he had some dominant wins in UFC, but I think overall, I think he had a losing record. Um, 
you know, but but beside that point, I think he actually pulled a knife out on television, said he was going to fucking kill somebody at one point while he was in his, uh, you know, push. And, you know, it just he just was never the right guy. And, and, and Russo, like we said, thought that he was. That just shows you right there. Like, you don't have an eye for talent. Um, you know, because this guy was, was a zero. I mean, I mean, I don't mean that in a mean way, but, you know, he wasn't ever going to be anything other than, you know, a mid-card guy or a, a special attraction. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, and, and, and the thing that's the worst about it is, you know, this whole time we're looking at, we're talking about, you know, they're losing guys like Chris Jericho. They're losing guys like Eddie Guerrero. They're losing guys like Chris Benoit. Dave Malenko. Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn. I mean, even Raven at some point left and went to WWE. Like, you know, these these are people that you can do things with that are talented, and you choose to push Tank Abbott and you know, and and DDP and the Jersey Triad. I mean, I, I I love DDP, but and don't get me wrong, but you know, they needed to have new, fresh new faces. DDP had been around well for then, or, or at that point, but. I'll let you get back to the main story here. But, well, uh, <laughs> another guy I want to talk about was Mike Awesome. And I didn't know this. I didn't know if you knew this as well. But uh, you remember Horace Hogan, whose real name was Michael Balea, was Hulk yeah. Hogan's nephew. Right. In real Right. When he did a couple matches in WWE but went to Horace Hogan in WCW. Well, I guess he was also cousins with uh, Mike Awesome. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I guess they were cousins through uh, – um, Mom's side of the family. Oh, okay. so that's cool. Hor- Horace Hogan's dad was brothers with with Hulk Hogan, but then his wife right. actually uh, was the aunt to Mike Awesome. Right, so that was all kind of relation. I didn't know if he knew that or not. I just thought that was kind of. I no. had to see that the other day. No, I didn't know that. Um, but speaking, but... Of, but speaking of Mike Awesome, I mean they, he had been kind of they had made him a dominant ECW World Champion. Until he went to WCW. For people that don't know, um, he was the ECW champion. He signed a contract with WCW, but he was still the ECW champ. So they had um, Taz come over, who was with WWE, and beat Mike Austin to become the ECW champion. Yeah. And then, of course, he lost to Tommy Dreamer. But I, but so Mike Austin went to uh, to uh, WCW, but. Russo mm-hmm. wanted to change his gimmick entirely. He didn't think Mike Austin was very over. Didn't think he had much yeah. of a personality. So he went from a career killer to a comedy figure trapped in the 1970s dubbed that 70s guy, Mike Awesome. I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah, I think he had like a flower power van. and he comes uh, to the ring, but he, he'd be in a leisure suit, gold chains, feathered hair, God. looking like he just hopped off the dance floor of a Tony Monero from Saturday Night. Uh, yeah. No, night fever, and that was you know around the time that that '70s show started up, and I mean I I can understand the nostalgia part of it, but like you said, this is a guy that had you know legendary matches with uh, Masahiro uh, Chono in Japan. This is a guy that had you know crazy you know death matches and things like that, and you got him playing the that '70s guy, and and then you know obviously I know you're going to talk about his other gimmick. Um, that was after that, that was even worse somehow. Well, but, uh, I, they gave him his own talk show, the, I don't know if you remember, yeah. the Lava Lamp Lounge. That flopped. Oh. No, I don't remember that at all, thankfully. 
he'd use stupid pickup lines on the female guests like are are you from Tennessee because you're the only 10 I see just oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can imagine how much uh how much how much you know female attention he got with that one yeah but he definitely got female attention when we when he became the fat chick thriller my god <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the fat chick thriller. Yeah, that was uh, his whole persona was being built around being attracted to and therefore saving obese women in the audience. Yeah, I mean it's almost like they were giving him terrible characters on purpose so that he would quit. So yeah, they, so they could get out paying his contractual dues. But he stuck it out. You know, he forced them to pay him every 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 cent. You know, it was kind of like the Mark Henry where he was given all these stupid gimmicks, but he finally stuck it out and got a decent run. But Mike yeah. Awesome never did get that decent run. By the time he came to WWE, I think he was already pigeonholed. Yeah, he was damaged goods when he finally made, you know, and then and then he passed away um, not too long after that, I think. Um, but yeah, uh, it was shortly after that he he passed yeah. away. But um, but yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it was a talent squandered by really really bad gimmicks and. And we've we've seen guys come back from that. I mean, you know, Glenn Jacobs was, you know, Isaac Yankum, and he was a fake Diesel and all that stuff before he became Kane. But but I think you know a certain amount of damage was already done to Mike Awesome, and and from that point, you know, it, it's kind of like Sean Stasniak, uh, same same type of deal. You know, he was meat, and you know, he was just a a guy that was with PMS and WWE and. I he was their boy toy, basically. Yeah, I don't think he ever really recovered from that. And, you know, it's the same thing with Mike Awesome. I think, you know, for whatever reason, certain people don't recover from certain gimmicks. And that was that was the unfortunate thing for Mike Awesome. But um, I don't know if you remember this, and this is just kind of a random memory of mine, but do you remember uh, when um, Hulk Hogan was feuding with the wall? And Hulk Hogan was on a building top, like a rooftop, miles away. And he started talking about, he's like, there's the wall, brother. Like, he could see him. And the the guy was miles away. I don't know if you remember that, but that was one of the booking decisions Russo made. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, um, obviously, you know, uh, Alex Wright, who was, you know, Das Wonder Kid, the German... You know, Supernova. He became Berlin when when uh, when Vince Russo took over. I mean, it, it, he did everything he could to put his own stamp on it, and it, it just it was just not a good situation. Yeah, I mean, there was. I, I think I think almost the and we've talked about this in detail before. The ready to rumble mm-hmm. was just. I think the nail, almost the nail in the coffin for him. I mean, they, you know. Tony Schiavone had made a joke. Let's just make David Arquette WCW champion. It was a joke. Yeah. And so ran with it. Said, yeah, let's do it. You know, promotion yeah. for the movie. And it just, it, it, the movie bombed, the whole angle bombed. It was just not a good, it didn't make anybody look good coming out of that feud at all. Yeah. Because it made it look like, you know, 170, 85 pound David Arquette beating these guys just didn't, didn't make anybody look, look good in the long run on that. Well, and yeah, and, and DDP, you know, who was this wily, you know, underdog, 
put his title up in a match where he could lose by his partner pinning the other person. Like, it makes him look like an idiot. Um, you know, we talked about that last week, but but it's still, like, why would you do that? Why would you put it up for your tag team partner to be able to win your championship? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and, and, and like you said, uh, uh, there was another point I was going to make, and now I'm, now I'm spacing on it, but... Um, well, oh, he was he was he was the king of the swerves too. Oh, yeah. he he thought any kind of swerve he could do would be to generate interest. Well, it wasn't always good interest. Like, I don't want to bring this up. I think the most disappointing aspect of these swerves were that they killed off the remaining WCW fan base by creating events that fans simply didn't want to see. In the weeks leading up to the Great American Bash 2000 uh, pay per view, Russo promised an event that would change the landscape of wrestling. All they right. said it was something that would be truly groundbreaking, and best of all, there wasn't anything Vince McMahon could do about it. So fans began to wonder, well, you know, what could it be? Was Stone Cold beat Steve Austin coming over? Maybe The Rock? What was this earth-shattering thing going to be? Yeah. Well, it wasn't shocking. And, well, it was shocking, and there wasn't anything that McMahon could do. But honestly, I think if McMahon had the power to stop this event, he would have used it because on that night, that's when WCW turned its number one baby face into a bad guy. That's when Goldberg became a heel. Oh, yeah. One of the biggest mistakes the company ever made. You, you know, you take this homegrown, white meat baby face who went on a 173 undefeated streak. Right. And then you turn him heel for basically no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he just thought, no, we need to, we need to have him as a heel, bro. Like... No, you know, Goldberg, like you said, he's not an underdog story, but he's this, he's this guy that, you know, the common man can identify with and he's this, you know, unstoppable monster. And, you know, like you said, he's not a heel. Um, You know, it's never really worked with him as a heel. And, you know, then I think he punched out a window, part of Vince Russo's storyline. And he almost lost his arm. Yeah. Yeah. Almost lost his arm in the process. And, you know, and that was, you know, this is ironic because this is the first time that WCW really started to use Bret Hart. And, you know, unfortunately, it was at one of the worst times in the business. And, you know, they they did it because of lack of options. But he was involved in that storyline as well. And it's just, it it, it boggles the mind that a multi-million dollar company can make such stupid decisions. But yeah, that that was. I mean, and then we you know we talked about the ready to rumble thing. That, I think that was just mm-hmm. the straw that broke the camel's back. And nothing bad against David Arquette, like we talked about. You know, he used his money that yeah. he he got from that to put towards uh, charities and stuff. I mean, so he he tried to do the right thing, but yeah, it just did not make it made the WCW championship look about as non credible as it could have looked. Yeah, and then and, Bruce... and it didn't make it look like anybody who carried it afterward. Like, well, what does it matter? Um, who cares? Yeah. yeah, and Russo ended up winning it at some point, and then um, I think Sid went on a like a winning streak that was not con- like uh, not consistent. Like he lost some matches, and then they still counted them as wins. Um, just just half-assed storytelling. Like you know, just you know, if you're gonna do something, be consistent. 
And it just, it's unfortunate. And like, it sounds like we're bagging on WCW, but I, I fucking, I, I, I used that for it a couple times tonight. I, I love that company, man. Like, I enjoyed it a lot. I love that it was a, it was an alternative. And it's not to say that I hate WWE by any means. Like, I love WWE too, but I love that when we have an alternative. And I was, and, and not only that, but it, but it makes the other company better. It's like when WCW went yeah. up, when, went under wwe kind of stopped trying it's like they felt like they yeah. didn't have to try anymore they they, they won yeah and competition yeah, put it, to in me, it, it only makes you better yeah they're like we're gonna have but, david hasselhoff be our special guest host that's our big swerve for the week like yeah okay <laughs> okay we're gonna have william shatner come on and sing ray mysterio's theme song like okay like <laughs> Well, that's why I'm why I'm glad like AEW is building some steam and some other companies because yeah. they're forcing WWE to look. Hey, you've got competition now. Yeah, you have to start recognizing these other companies as legit competition because if you don't, then you are going to start losing fans and mass, and, and you're not going to get that consumer confidence back if you don't yeah. start taking these. I mean, you can think of AEW as a little pissant company all you want, but they are making some headway. Right. Yeah, no, and I think I think that's good for WWE. I think you know, I, I think and that I think that's the, really the the takeaway from talking about Vince Russo and talking about WCW losing, you know, the money that they did is they made themselves not competitive. Um that's the big takeaway is, you know, they were a joke and you know, everybody knew it and the, and the company, you know, eventually Bischoff tried to you know, reboot it with a pay-per-view called WCW, the big bang. And he wanted to buy it with a group of investors. And then he ended up getting outbid by Vince McMahon and the company that, you know, spent hundreds of millions of dollars was purchased for $3 million for a tape library and a few people. Um, you know, that's how much that company was devalued in the last couple of years of its existence. Well, there was an interview with Eric Bischoff where he talked about, you know, he 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 was going to buy the company. They said, "Well, we'll give you the tape library, the rings, all that, but we won't give you the TV time." And yeah. it's like, "Well, if you don't give me the TV time, WCW is worth twenty bucks, so it's not worth yeah. anything if you don't have yep. that that television time." And yep. and one thing about WCW bringing Vince Russo in, the one takeaway I got from it was that Vince, in his younger years, did have a level head. He did know, you know, he did have more of a a mind in the business than what he does now. But yeah. they didn't have a Vince McMahon to reel him in. So he did yeah. all this stuff, and they didn't have anybody to say, "Okay, you're you're going a little bit too far here." They didn't have yeah. anybody to tell him that because he had made, he had sold himself so well that the stuff that he was doing was going to turn the company around. Yeah, and even when you know they brought they fired Ishif, uh, and they <laughs> they, <laughs> they fired Eric Bischoff, but then they ended up bringing him back, and um, you know even when the two of them teamed together. You know, it just wasn't enough to get the company over the hump. I mean, they tried to, you know, rehash the, the NWO with the NWO, NWO 2000, which was Jeff Jarrett, Bret Hart, and the Outsiders, which is not even, you know, a fraction of, I mean, and I'm the hugest Bret Hart mark there is, but that's not even a fraction of the impact of the original NWO. Oh, no, um, that, that, that's lightning in a bottle, man. That's one of those. Yeah once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. But just to kind of put things in perspective, like following the Arquette title run, it's like nothing really mattered. Yeah, It didn't matter that Russo turned into a complete and utter egomaniac 
booking yeah. himself to be the lead heel in the promotion, booking himself to beat Ric Flair in a cage, booking himself to win the world title. Yeah. <clears throat> it didn't matter that characters turned on a weekly basis and swerves that made no sense. And it didn't matter that Russo did a shoot interview calling Hulk Hogan a piece of shit, nor that yeah. Hulk Hogan left the company never to return. I mean, fans abandoned in mass just to give you an idea in 2000, following all of Russo's sex and swerves and, and inexplicable title changes, ratings dropped to less than 2.5. Average house show attendance in October of 1999 was around 4,500 fans. In 2000, yeah. that number dropped to less than 1,800. Starcade, WCW's biggest show of the year, drew a measly 0.11 or 5% of what they'd done for Starcade 1997. They had lost 95% of their pay-per-view audience in just three years. That's I mean, 95%, crazy. never to return. That's crazy. And because of that, the end result was Vince was, you know, WCW lost over $60 million in that year from, yeah. from you know, in the year 2000. I mean, that's just. And then in December, you know, they, I think they finally realized what was going on. It looked too little too late, but they sent Russo home never to return. Yeah. The company hobbled along till March when Turner execs canceled both Nitro and Thunder and put the company up for sale. I mean, yep. it was that was the final the, the final straw. I mean, you know, Vince Russo basically he did some he did some good things, but basically all the stuff he was doing there in that year two thousand, man, it just it killed the company. Yeah, I I think I think Vince Russo as an individual and as a creative mind is capable of some great things, but like you said, he has to have some kind of like uh, meter. He has to have somebody to come in and go, no, no, we can't do that. That's stupid. Um, and and he didn't have that in WCW. He didn't have that in TNA. And, you know, that we see what happens with both of those. Uh, obviously, you know, Impact got, you know, saved by, you know, outside um, investors. But, but. Uh, oh, that company would have went under if that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, absolutely. They had lost their TV deals and everything. I mean, now, yeah. now, now they're on, on, on Access TV, but Impact, yeah. it, it, it almost went completely under with those investors when they come in. Yeah, absolutely. And and like we had, you know, the situation where Dixie Carter was lying about Vince Russo working behind the scenes and, you know, they lost the TV deal because of that. And it's, you know, it, it it's crazy how much he can sell himself as the guy that created the Attitude Era. But, you know, that that was lightning in a bottle, like just like we talked about with the NWO. I mean, it was just a great confluence of things happening at the same time that that created this you know this hype and i i think we see part of that today but you know i i don't know if we'll ever get anything like that again where it's so mainstream and it's so accepted um but you know i can always hope but you know at the same time i don't care like i love wrestling i I will watch wrestling if it's at two o'clock in the morning on a you know point three you know radio or tv channel um, you know, because I enjoy it that much, but at the same time, I understand that, you know, it's not, it's not mainstream. Um, and I think that, you know, that's unfortunately the reality we have to live with now. Yeah. I mean, it, it, like you say, it is unfair to blame the death of WCW entirely on one man. Yeah. So a case can certainly be made for that. I mean, in reality, yeah. I think the company had been dying a little bit since the heyday of the NWO. You know, that was that one brief period that we talked about in which 
the stars aligned and all was right. But yeah, you look back truthfully from the Black Scorpion to the mini movies of the early '90s to the 20 different versions of the NWO. Yeah, WCW was just a promotion that was one two steps away from disaster. It just so happened yeah. Vince Rousseau was the cancer for which there was no cure. No, absolutely. I mean, if you look at um, when Jim Crockett Promotions sold sold out, um, you know, it, they sold for more than that company was really worth. Um, and, and it just continued on, uh, you know, and even even like you look at and this isn't related, but you look at AEW now. I mean, their idea is to run in the black, but, you know, because of their investments in video games and because of their investments in other things, you know, they're 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 in the red. Like it's not a, you know, a money making business at this point. And, you know. Like we talked about with WWE, you know they're making these these they are profitable, but uh, you know it, it's 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 a losing business almost. Um, and I, I don't know how you feel about that. I just I'm kind of well. I'm surprised that AEW actually stayed on there because right when they started going because they I think they hit live TV in October of 2019. Yeah. Six months later, the pandemic hit. And you had no crowds anymore. So it's like, what, yeah. what are they surviving on? They don't have that, they don't have that, you know, 50, 60 years of experience or, or money built up to go behind. What, what are they yeah. surviving on? You know, at, after six months, you know, it, it was almost a bad time for opening, but they persevered and, and they're yeah. slowly, they're slowly getting back up there. But it yeah. just, it just kind of surprised me that they were still able to hold on. To a, to a TV deal after that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I was going to say, I think at a certain point, um, I heard Britt Baker talking about this on um, Jericho's podcast. Uh, they were, they had more shows in front of an empty arena than they had shows in front of people, which is absolutely mind blowing. Um, considering that, you know, wrestling is a business that relies on live gate. Um, attendance. Yeah. Attendance. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, for them to not have that for for a year at least, and and, and probably more is is mind blowing. But you know, they've they've come back and they've continued to succeed. And you know, the ratings. You know, we we talked about this last week. You know, we don't we don't know how these ratings work, but you know, they have they have a lot of room to grow in their ratings. Um, but uh, but I feel like you know it's nice to have that that secondary company that's on a major network as competition. And I hope the WWE will take the note and continue to improve. Sorry, I'm kind of getting hiccups here. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. I mean, I mean, they've been doing some, like, Raw's been pretty watchable lately. They're utilizing yeah. the time better. They're having longer matches now. I, I know the last couple of weeks of Raw's, they've not really had any squash matches. There's been yeah. Some longer matches. They've they've been opening up with matches instead of promos, so they're trying to get that base back. But there's a point where you do stupid shit so long, or or you do the same old stuff so long, you're not going to get consumer confidence back, no matter what you do. No, you're going to lose trust. You're going to yeah. lose the trust that you're going to put on an entertaining program. Yeah, I've I've read uh, Wade Keller's reports about Raw the last few weeks. I mean, obviously, I I work Monday, so I don't I don't get to see raw very much and i don't usually watch it after the fact um but i've heard that they were great shows um and it's something that you know this coming monday i leave early so i might try to watch it after 
um, after work. But uh, yeah, well, it's I, taking place from Indy this this week. I'm sorry, it's taking place from Indianapolis this week. Raw is. Yeah. Oh, Raw's I didn't gonna, realize that. Yeah, Raw's going to be here uh, this coming week. Is it Casico Fieldhouse or is it somewhere else? Yeah, it's at the, oh. at the yeah, it's at Casico Fieldhouse. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, well, I definitely probably would have went to that if I realized it, but I didn't realize it. Um, obviously, my my mind's a little AEW centric at this point, but yeah, <laughs> um, but you know, I I still love love WWE and like like I said, you know, if you're listening to this and you really and you know, you want to say, oh, they're you know in the tank for WWE or they're in the tank for AEW. No, we just love wrestling. Like whether it's good or it's bad, we're going to call bullshit, you know? And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm enjoying AEW right now, but, but I feel like WWE, you know, as soon as they turn on the, that switch, they could be, you know, extremely entertaining again. And, and like I said, I've heard raw has, has been great shows the last couple of weeks. So, one, def- one thing I'm not happy with is the fact that they haven't and really pushed Survivor Series all that much. You know, it's the same thing yeah. we get every year. Champions against champions, your five-on-five eliminations with the men and women. But one thing that really kind of got me was on the women's SmackDown team. They put Aaliyah, who was in NXT for the longest time, hasn't even had a match on regular television yet on that team, but they left off somebody like Tony Storm. Yeah, I saw that. That was weird. Um uh, and it's weird that they're not doing any like qualification matches or anything like that. It, they're just literally naming their teams. Well, um, and it's like they're putting former, they're like putting all the people that were former champions. Well, that's fine, but Elise never been a champion. Yeah, Tony Storm's been 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 a champion. She was the NXT UK Women's Champion at least. Yeah, and they're not doing it. I, I got a feeling she's going to be the next debut released. Unfortunately, I don't want to see that happen by any means. Yeah. As, as I think she is very talented, and I'd like to see what she can still do in WWE. But the fact that they've done this doesn't give me very much confidence that they're going to do anything no. with her. No, I, I I feel like you know they they don't they don't see her as a priority, um, and that's that's unfortunate because like what we said, you know, we talked about I think last week. Um, she's extremely talented, and she's been wrestling since she was very young. 13. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because she's, she's very damn good. And, and she's also, you know, objectively, she's an attractive woman. And, um, uh, you know, she's, she's got a lot of potential that she could be something huge if WWE put the time and effort into her. But it's, at this point, it feels like they're not going to do that. Um, I can see her going to Impact because her fiance is there. Yeah, Juice Robinson. Yeah, Juice Robinson. Yep, I, I could definitely see that, and I, I think that she would be a great addition to that roster. I, like I said, you know, in our last episode, you know, Impact is building something, and you know, it may take them a while, and, and they may not, you know, be as successful as as any other company, but but I think they're building something that that will last. And you know, I think Tony Storm could could definitely be a another addition to that 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 would help them you know continue to build something special. Uh, now, yeah. Now, do I think Impact would ever be the number one or number two? No, I don't no. think they'll ever get to that point. But they could be no. definitely be a solid number three alternative yeah. for people. Yeah, I think I think they don't have the money. They don't have the 
the television to be that number two. But yeah, definitely number three. And and they could be a solid number three. They could push the other two. Um and and like I said, they've done some great things creatively and they've done some great things with, with the talent that they have. But um you know, I think it's just a matter of, you know, what 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 do you do going forward? And um, you know, I I, I think it's very interesting to see how impact grows, you know, in the next few months. But like I said, I, I think Tony could be a great addition to them. But as I said, she's continue, you know, she's currently a WWE wrestler. So, uh, you know, we just have to go off that fact, but yeah, like I said, I would, it just kind of boggled my mind. The fact that, I mean, they did, they did write the ship of raw when they took Dominic off the team and put Bobby Lashley on. That was the right decision to make. Yeah. I'm a fan of the Mysterios, but Dominic hasn't really proven himself yet. You know, he needs to to get some more under under his under his thumb. And I thought it was the right decision to put Bobby Lashley in his spot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's kind of weird to have Seth on a team with Kevin Owens and uh, you know Rey Mysterio, who he tried to blind, and you know, and then it was Dominic who he you know he had that that SummerSlam match with, but. Uh, but yeah, um, you know it's it's going to be a great Survivor Series. Once it's one of my favorite pay per views of the year. It's one that we actually went to a few years ago. So um, yeah, I, I wanted to say too that uh, Kevin Owens has turned heel again. I think that's the best thing for him. Yeah, better as a heel. I think that is probably he'll probably end up staying. I think if they're doing this with him, they're giving him this push. They're turning him heel. It might be a, a yeah. maybe one thing that was provision. If you stay, this is what we'll do. So I know many people have said maybe he'll go to AEW, you know, to complete the Mount Rushmore of him and, and uh, Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. And was it the Young Bucks? Yeah, they were, he was part of the, yeah, part of that team. Yeah. I but, mean, you know, money talks. So he may stay in WWE if they, if they offered him a significant push with more money. Yeah, I think, I think he's, he's in a good position to negotiate. So he can, you know, probably – you know, he's a family man. He could probably try to get more time with his family or, or you know, get whatever he wants out of negotiation because his contract is coming up. So I think he's in a good position. And, and, and that's, right. that's another thing, too. A lot of these wrestlers now have great leveraging power that they didn't have when WCW went out of business. Yeah. Now, now they do have leveraging power. Now they do have a little bit of a say because they do have somewhere else to go. I think it's a great thing. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, these, these guys – they're all talented. They all have families to feed and, and support. And it's great to see that they have other options available to them. No, absolutely. I mean, that's what, you know, when Keith Lee and Karen Cross got released, I was like, well, at least they have options. Yeah. You know, it's not like they, you know, don't have anywhere they can go where they'll be, you know, have an impact or, or, you know, no pun intended, but where they'll have an impact or will there'll be, you know, something that's, you know, special to wherever they end up. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's, that speaks to the, the base that the independent wrestling scene has built, um, that, yeah, I mean, you get, you get released from WWE and that sucks, but it's not the end of the world. Um, no. there's other opportunities. I think that's, what's great about the wrestling business as a whole right now. So, um, that's, that's really all I had to say about it. Justin, did you have anything else you want to? Uh, we got about ten minutes left in the show, and um, I'm a little buzzed. So, <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> no, no, we can we can we can go ahead and cut from here. We just wanted to talk about, you know, it, it was it's kind of, you know, with with this talking about WCW losing its butt, you know, is it, it was the simple fact that you can't let one individual determine everything that's going to happen, and I think that's what's kind of being in WWE. I mean, Vince McMahon is is the be all end all, but there yeah. needs to be more of that. Absolutely. Oh, this isn't going to work, or, or this isn't. I mean, it's just. Yeah. I can see WWE falling into into that same into that same spectrum in the next few years if if they, if they don't change their ways, you know. And that that was my whole point of wanting to bring that up is like, yeah. you know, one individual if left unchecked could ruin an entire company. Absolutely. I mean, and, and it's frustrating because as a fan, I want to see them all succeed. I would love to have a month where every month, every week, I want there's a pay per view on I want to watch. Like I would love that. Um, you know, obviously this month I'm, I'm excited about fully loaded. I'm excited about survivor series, but I understand that, you know, there's not much else that's going to be out there. Um, and, and, you know, I want, I want those options. I want those things that, yeah, I definitely, I, it's gotta see it's, it's must see television. And we just, I think, you know, by and large, we just don't have that, but, um, you know, I think, I think, you know, the wrestling business is going to continue to grow with the, with the explosion of the independence, but, um, you know, I could see it, you know, shutting back down. Again. Uh, it's just, it's just a matter of how we go forward from here. Yeah. So Jesse, I'll let you, uh, tell everybody to be safe and all that good shit. And we will, uh, call it a night. All right, everybody, uh, be safe, be kind, whatever you do, uh, make good, healthy choice decisions that's best for you and we will uh see you back here next week on the turnbuckle post all right my brother good night all right good night everybody